to the Carol Tuttle Child Whisperer Show. For the next hour, be prepared to be blown away as Carol shares some amazing tips and how-tos that are guaranteed to revolutionize your parenting experience. Each week, Carol brings her creative, hands-on approach to parenting using the unique model of child whispering, her vast knowledge of natural healing methods, and her passion and drive to help you become the best parent you can be. Carol is the mother of five grown children who all turned out to be pretty amazing people and are now becoming parents of their own, giving Carol the chance to become an even better grandparent. Welcome to today's show. Welcome to the Child Whisper Podcast. I'm your host, Carol Tuttle, author of the book, The Child Whisperer, which is a best-selling parenting book on Amazon. Thank you so much for joining me today. And if you want to raise a happy, successful, and cooperative child and children, you are in the right place. Thank you for joining me today. Today, um, we ran a contest when I relaunched the show last week, and the contest was Submit an email question, and if your question is selected as my lead question for that uh, kind of inaugural relaunch show, which I aired last week, you would receive two copies of The Child Whisperer. And as a result, we received um, many, many email questions, very good ones, in fact, and there are many that I want to answer. So I'm going to dedicate today's show to answering the email questions that have been submitted in the last few weeks, so I will not be taking live callers today. So tune in next week if you want to call in and ask me a question on the air. I look forward to supporting you in your parenting goals. So I really um, am excited to dive into these questions today. And the theme that kept showing up in several of the questions that I have titled today's show is help What about my needs as a mom? That's a great question because when you get into the world of child whispering, you'll uh, either go from being confused and overwhelmed and not knowing what to do with some of your children and you've been operating in a space where your parenting approach has been working with a child and maybe not another child and you don't know why. So when you get into the world of child whispering, what I teach in my book, The Child Whisperer, is there's four types of children. Children are born with an innate nature. We all are. And when we parent a child true to their nature, they are just naturally able to cooperate. Uh, They're able to succeed in life and be happy because they're not under stress due to a parenting approach that's contrary to who they are. You go from sort of what I've called a forced parenting approach, trying to get your kids to do stuff, get them to cooperate, really want to, you know, make sure they succeed to allowing all that, allowing success, allowing cooperation, because you're tapping into their nature, the four types. And so what happens when a mom starts to practice child whispering, you might not know how do I take care of my nature, my true self, when I'm caring for the variety of these four natures, because it's common that moms will have all four types in their family. I've seen everything. I've seen moms that have multiple children of one type. I've seen moms that have what I call a full house, a type 1, type 2, type 3, and a type 4 child. I've seen families that consist just in their infrastructure that between the mom and the dad and the children, they may only have two types of energy. And you actually create a family culture from this energy unknowingly. 
you, uh, if let's say I recently talked with a mom and all she, she's a type three, her spouse is a, the dad's a type two and the three kids are a combination of twos and threes. So this is a household that has no type four energy or no type one energy. And so they're going to just subconsciously create a culture that really is um, a byproduct of those energies. And so that's interesting when you start to learn this information, you know, maybe that family needs to make sure they get out and have some fun because they just don't have it. They don't, that energy is not in the composition of their family system. So they're going to have to pay more attention to that. I need to have some more fun. You know, make sure we choose that as a family. And so in the case of moms that are now, and I said this last week in an answer to a question, initially a type, a type 2 mom came in. I said initially it's going to feel a little bit like an overwhelm, like I have to parent children differently. I can't parent them as a group. But once you, you hit your stride with it, and you really are operating from an intuitive place, and you're, it's very natural. It's, it becomes very effortless as a parent. It's, it's a highly intuitive process, and in the moment, you just seem to know what to do because you have such a sixth sense now for your child. And so initially, you're going to go through this, how do I balance all this, and how do I parent these different types of children and take care of my own needs? So let's start with our first question and our and this wonderful topic of help, what about my needs as a mom? So mom writes in, I'm a type 3 mom, and I have two boys, Type one, two type 1 boys, aged 7 and 2, and a type 4 boy. Okay, so she's a type 3 mom, and she has two boys that are type 1s and a boy that is a type 4. The type 1 boys are 7 and 2 years old. And then the type 4 boy is almost 6. I'm all for meeting everyone's needs and trying to accommodate, but it's often not possible to keep everyone happy at the same time. How do I balance that? And when mommy's tired and cranky and just can't make another minute fun, what then? I love this question because a couple key phrases that you've used and specific words I want to point out. And parents and mom, moms, moms particularly do this more than dads because moms tend... Yeah, I, in a traditional family system, moms kind of create the basis of the household management. Um, obviously, dads are getting more involved in that. I know a lot of couples where actually there are stay-at-home dads and the mom's the uh, full-time one working. So things are changing in our culture, and that's, that's cool because I think that allows everyone to live true to who they are. You know, we're not living by these stereotypes. So in this case, you said trying to accommodate but it's often not possible to keep everyone happy. So in that, you have given yourself the role of you've got to make sure your children are happy. You've energetically plugged yourself into, I've got to make sure my children are happy so my life is less stressful. So I'd unplug there right away. Literally, see yourself a cord of energy running from you to your kids, and you are running this energy that you have put this on yourself. Now this energetic role, this overlay of energy that says, I've got to make sure my kids are happy. That's not your job. Your job is to create an environment to allow happiness for them to thrive in. But if you're trying to manage that, you're trying to just 
um, it's a forced thing and it's not allowing, it's not allowing a child to be happy and looking at it from that position of what's happening in our environment in my child's world if they're not happy if they're stressed that's invoking that and that's what i talk about there's many variables there but if you take that position of saying it's my job to create a safe place a supportive environment for my child and to parent my child in a manner that supports their true nature so happiness is a byproduct the other thing he said and i think this is really important as well because i hear this a lot of from parents of type 1 children. Mommy's tired and cranky and just can't make another minute fun. Hey, you're a type 3. You're a get-it-done energy. You're not a let's-have-fun first energy. You want to do things. In your role of mother, you need space to be able to just accomplish uh, what you've got on your mind and on your to-do list. You need to get certain things done to feel that you're in balance. Now, your energy doesn't run primarily the fun energy. Now, we have all four types of energy. Type 1 children are fun-loving children. They have a natural capacity to create a light, effervescent energy. We call that fun. When the movement of our space is upward and light and the environment feels light and free, we say we're having fun. We just use these words to describe the energetic emotional experience we're having. We call that playful energy. And when you know that about your child, that doesn't mean they can't, that they're always off doing some fun and game thing. They can do very serious tasks, but in a more playful manner. They can be incredibly successful human beings in whatever they choose. Walt Disney was a type one. He's cre- he created an empire that's far um, you know, surpassed his lifetime. He was true to his nature. He wanted to bring more fun to the world. Now, not all kids are going to, you know, I can name all kinds of successful people of every type. So we have this ten- tendency to think fun means we got to have some game going on. It doesn't. It means honor, honor, that might just be letting your child chit-chat with you while you're doing the dishes. That's playful for them. You know, let them talk to, you know, go in the kitchen and do something else with them. If they're doing a chore, go chit-chat with them. Be social with them. Get these two kids to do their chores together so they can, they're more inclined to do things when they have a social component to it. Their first connection to the world is social. It's not your job to make sure they're having fun. It's your job, once again, it's your opportunity as a parent to create the space where their energy brings that. See, you've taken on the role that you have to make life fun for your child. You don't have to. You've got to support them and allowing them to bring the fun. They bring it. and Engage them. Invite them to be. And they're not always doing this. I mean, I have a type 1 son and a type 1 daughter-in-law. They need downtime. They're not always engaged like that. It wears them out. But yet, make that their... Create the space where they bring, they're able to bring that naturally. These little boys are seven. The seven-year-old, this is a child you can have a conversation with and say, well, how can we make this more fun for you? You know, let him figure it out. Let him decide. Let him come up with the idea. Their gift is ideas. The two-year-old, not as verbal, but 
again, you're at that foundational space to start to develop that kind of rapport with your child that, well, it's not up to me to make sure they're always having fun. It's up to me to create the environment that allows them to do what they do naturally and to be able to succeed in different, whatever it is. They can succeed at anything. They can succeed at anything, and then they'll naturally be drawn to occupations that will allow them to optimize their gifts. You know, being a sit-at-the-desk accountant for an eight-hour day job is not conducent to a type 1 energy. But they wouldn't choose that when they've been raised to be able to, then their energy will attract to them. You have to read my book, Remembering Wholeness, if you want to learn about how our energy manifests, that we create, and we're doing it every day. And so you can trust that your child's own energetic signal is being sent into the world to manifest to them what supports their highest good and the development of their life opportunity. Again, parents take on so much of, you know, open the space, make there more space for, and that's just an intention, that's allowing, that's a a consciousness, you know, to, otherwise when you're operating in that, it's all up to me, the energy gets heavy and closes. When you, what can I do to allow and to support and create so that my child is engaged in life and I'm there to support and to parent and to help raise what can happen naturally. And then for you, I'd recommend that, uh, if you, you know, whether the boys, because there's seven, six, and two, you, they're still quite young. So either they need a play date at someone else's house, you need to, uh, you need to get them out as a type three mom, you need some space to a good three, four hour block of time on a regular basis, I'd say even weekly would be ideal. Twice a month would be a starting point where you can just count on, you've got the older boys in school probably, so maybe if you can set something up for the two-year-old on a weekly basis that you can guarantee I will have no interruptions and I can just buzz around my house and get a lot done. That will be very gratifying to you. You will feel more balanced when you create that for yourself. Don't try, you know, if you're trying to accomplish that when the two-year-old, you can do that, but when the two-year-old's interrupting you, you'll get cranky because you don't want to be erupted. You want to just move, you want to get in, you want to start the get it done movement and just just lock in and, and not be interrupted from your tasks, so... Great question. Thanks for asking that. My next question. Another type 3 mom. I need much more time in my life for me to express myself. And I go out of my mind at home sometimes. The hardest thing is breastfeeding as I can be stuck on the sofa for hours doing nothing. And I can see all the things that need to get done. However, my type 4 secondary 3 toddler is very ready for me and is very needy for me and clingy. As a gentle and conscious mom, I see she needs a lot from me and I want to give it. I want to give her the parenting she needs, but also want to serve my own needs and be that example to her too. How do I marry the two things when I have 
little practical support, time or money? That's a great question to throw out there to the universe. So I want you to put that out to the universe and universal consciousness to help you answer that. And I'll give you my my take on it. Again, you've heard what I've said for the first question that you do. I first I had this issue when I was a young mother and I had small children and I was really uh, it was it caused me a lot of angst and anxiety to sit down. I I'd, I'd my mind would just be racing all these things I need to do. And I didn't feel that was healthy. I recognized it in my late twenties, early thirties, and I thought this this isn't this isn't healthy that I and seem incapable of sitting for even 20, 30 minutes without this pull that I should be up and doing something. That that I wanted to, I didn't want to be, I, I didn't want that running my life. I didn't want that energy ruling me. So I wanted to, to clear that. I wanted to be free of that. So I would, in those times I was sitting, and I even made myself sit regularly. And I would say to myself, because I type threes, your self-identity and personal value is often attached to what you get done in the world, your results. And I wanted to, and I wasn't even aware of my type three nature though, on the level I am now. But I recognized I seemed to have this need to feel that I have value by the accomplishments that I have. And I knew that wasn't healthy. So I started to practice this statement as I sat there and I would breathe. There's nothing I have to do or anywhere I have to be and I am worthwhile. There is nothing I have to do or anywhere I have to be and I am worthwhile. And I would just feel all the stress and the anxiety. I'd notice it. And I'd breathe and I'd repeat that. And I was able to successfully let go of that energetic attachment to my doings. And I was able to then more successfully give my children that I, I, if I had known at the time that I had two type 2 children, I would have done some things differently as far as really tuning into them in a sensitive way and a more cuddling, connected, kinesthetic way to just sit down and be with them on a regular basis. And I didn't do that as much as I now know would have been supportive for them. Uh, you do talk about your toddler that you're, is very needy and clingy. And I'm wondering, you've noticed that you're saying your child, you think your child is a type 4. That's a lower energy, so you know that your child's a lower movement than you. I'd recommend you watch the video on the Child Whisperer blog where I talk about how do you know the difference between a type 2 and a type 4 child. Because type 4 children actually like kind of solitude. They can sit in their, their little infant, you know, they, they like being alone. They aren't necessarily clingy when you use the word clingy that's a red light to me that this could be a type 2 child so I'd recommend you watch the video and you by your note I think you had in parentheses you weren't 100% sure there check that video out 
uh, I apologize, I don't know the official title, but they're all archived there, and we are they are categorized on the blog. But there's a great video that will help you discern the difference between whether your child's a type two or a type three. And good luck. I know you'll be successful with that. Some of the things I said about getting that uh, space on a weekly basis. Trade with a parent. Maybe you need to do a swap with another parent if you don't have the time to, or I'm sorry, the money that you could hire a babysitter where, or someone you could drop your child off at and pay them. Maybe there's an older, somebody in that would like to spend time with a child. Maybe someone that's more of a grandparent age. Maybe someone that would just would enjoy spending time with a child. Again, if you ask the universe to say, I would like to create an opportunity that I could have a block of time every week that someone else is supporting me and caring for my child that is safe and loving that will allow me to do this. And maybe you can do something for them. Make them a dinner a week. Maybe what can you trade them with? What If you don't want to exchange money, what service could you exchange with them so there's more of an equitable uh, there's an equitable energy going on. It's balanced. One thing I did, and again, these I was following my intuitive self when I had my oldest, my first daughter, and she was a toddler. As I did not have my second child till she was three, but I did. I was. I'm a skier, and when Jenny was just around 18 months. I uh, signed up for a mom ski day that I went skiing once a week. And I found a sitter that I dropped her off at. And I'd go spend the day on the slopes. You know, I had to be there by about 11. It was like a half day. And that was great because that gave me my physical outlet that I could count on every week. And so I was living true to my nature and I didn't even know it. My next question. I'm a working type for a mom of two young type 1 children. My son is three years old, and since he was three months old and I went back to work, sleep has been a challenge. He stopped sleeping at night when I went to work because that is when he could get mommy time. My son asked me or my husband to lay down with him for hours each night while he goes to sleep, which consists of more playing than anything else. How can I balance his need for fun with my need for time at the end of the day? So that's a great question because this is a little child. He's only three years old and the energy's kind of uh, running rampant here. The energy's running rampant. And so your opportunity is to help. Don't let his energy dictate your experience. Your energy naturally creates structure. But his energy is kind of running the show here. And it's just random and kind of rampant. And it's like you're maybe too falling too far on the side of I need to let him feel free, and yet he does need some structure that you naturally bring without necessarily crushing his energy. And so how do you organize that time so that he's clear on this is playtime, and you even put a timer on because they can see there's a certain block of time if they're not able to cognitively relate to to the experience of time and say this is playtime and that you create and let him... You know, don't, he's, if he were six, he could be a part of this planning, but he's just only three. So you're going to create these what does he need in a structured manner 
so then it leads to bedtime. And then you just have to be firm. It's bedtime, and Mommy will lay down for this long. And you might have a few rough days of that because he's going to try to keep enrolling you to do what you've been doing. But I really, my sense is he's just running, his energy's running this. You've allowed his energy to run all of this. It's influencing it more than yours. And what type four parents learn this information sometimes because you have more of an all or nothing approach to life. You go far too far into the nothing of giving everything up you did and just kind of letting your child start to run run your environment and your experience. And that's not healthy, nor is it um, in their highest good as well. So, again, be, uh, take a prayerful approach to this. Whether you pray or meditate, how do you receive inspiration? And ask, what does a schedule look like that would support him and me? And you need to set that in place. You need to be the one that creates that schedule because he's too young and nor does he have the energy to do that. So let's get into some, uh, these are just miscellaneous questions that came in. Uh, Here's an interesting one. It's from a child about her mom. I'm a type 1 with a secondary 2 and my mom is a type 2 with a secondary 4. I love my mom, but I can't stop judging her. We do great as long as we are far away from each other. Whenever she comes to visit, I feel so much anger coming out of me. I try to find positive. I try to find the positive when we hang out together. But there's not even a day without me criticizing her, especially when she corrects my children. I don't want her to do to do this to my kids. What I feel like I don't want her to do to my kids what I feel like she's done to me. I need to do something about our relationship since she's getting old and she's going to move in with us. Ooh, <laughs> okay, so you are certainly calling up this learning opportunity, but I don't want to, us to both suffer from it. Carol, how do I clear my heart from anger and heal our relationship? Well, this is your inner child that's angry, and I just posted on the Carol blog a how to heal your inner child video. It went up just uh, last week. So go to the Carol blog and find the video on healing your inner child. And you need to connect with your inner child. She's angry and she's the part of you that does not want your mom to do what you perceive she did to you. Your child gets triggered. Your inner child is angry. I also have a CD at um, at caroltuttle.com called Clear Your Childhood Issues. If you'll focus there and... Become the healthy parent to your inner child. You will not allow your mother then to connect with you there. You've got to create that uh, boundary within your inner world to be the one that's taking care of your inner child. Because what get what happens when you connect with mom? Your wounded child self starts running your experience. That's she takes over your body, and now you are operating emotionally about 12 years old and you're angry because the sequence of how emotion, when you're four and five as a child, you feel powerless. When you're in grade school, you start to feel sad about it all. When you get into your teen years, now you're just angry. 
So the anger is the clue. You've got about a 12-year-old self in there that's just really mad that this is still happening and you're still feeling powerless and that your mom doesn't recognize who you are and support you. Has your mom read The Child Whisperer? I'd highly recommend you do some of this inner work before your mother moves in with you and then your adult self can have an honest conversation with your mother to say there's some things I would like to discuss with you about our relationship and your relationship with my children in an effort to create the most positive, harmonious relationship we can. There's some things that aren't working. There's some things that are working, but we need to talk about what's not working. Yeah, this is great. I'm just, families are so good at like, there's like an elephant in the room, but let's not talk about it. You know, let's not talk about that we're all triggering each other. Let's all pretend we're getting along. And then let's talk about each other when we're not with each other to other people. Let's, you know, if you're going off and then trying to relieve this stressful energy by talking to your husband, talking to a friend about it, that will not correct it. If anything, you will create more of it because now you're flowing energy to what you want. But you're trying to resolve something, but that will never resolve it. It's dysfunctional. It will never help you. You've got to go inward. It's about that inner child that's still triggered by your mother, especially when you watch certain things that you felt now, you now know were dishonoring to you that are dishonoring to your children. Wow, your inner child, your 12-year-old's going, that is not going to happen again. (laughs) So use those resources I recommended. And then there's also the Carol Tuttle Healing Center, You get a lot of bang for your buck in that resource because you get uh, access to 25 different healing sessions with me on video and a uh, multiple, uh, very content-rich library of audios to help you. So, And that's only $67 a month. It's a membership site, and you can use it for as long as you need and then discontinue your membership. So three re... I'm going to throw Remembering Wholeness in there too. Four resources that are going to help you. Um, get clearer of this to change and create something different with your mom. My next question. Hi, Carol. We are having problems with our type 1 four-year-old girl and lying. She will outright lie about things we know she has done, even make up a story to back her lie. How do we approach this in a way that will teach her lying is not okay and get it to stop? I'm a type 3 mom. Okay, I've done a, I've I've talked about this on other shows. And if you can access other podcasts, I can't tell you which ones they are, but um, I have taught this before. Of all the types, the type 1 child is more inclined to lie, to exaggerate, to animate. You see, their natural energy is an animated energy. So they play in the world of animation. And animation is new life, making things bigger than life, exaggerating. um, And she's only three, so I think... Again, she can't consciously be, she's not old enough to have willfully be doing things to be ill-willed. There's just some pattern going on here. Maybe it's a family pattern. Maybe it comes down through the family system. Maybe there's other type ones in the family that have played out this pattern and they've been, they just have not told the truth. Now, you can, you can, you can make this bigger than it is. By thinking this is a moral dilemma, your child is thought some she's doing something morally wrong, you know she's lying, 
So that's pretty heavy duty. That's pretty heavy duty for a three-year-old. I want to put this in per, into perspective. We're dealing with a three-year-old. So you need to lighten up about it first and just say, well, she has a tend- tendency to exaggerate. And you got to meet it with a little more lightness because if you get really like, whoa, you know, I have a lying child, you'll create her to be that just because she's getting labeled now and you're going to condition her to that. So how do you approach? I don't know what she's lying about. You didn't give me any examples. So um, I don't know what the the lying scenario is. Oh, she's four years old. I'm sorry. I was looking at a different question. But she's still really young. She's quite young. You know, she's not like the 15-year-old type 1 child lying that's now conscious that they're lying. I don't – maybe she doesn't even know she's lying. And what does she want? What is she trying to get? That You know, usually it's because there's a couple of reasons why a type 1 child will lie. They're afraid they're going to get in trouble. My um, adopted son, he's a type 1, and when he was in grade school, because he was not being supported, I didn't, he wasn't in our family at the time, he wasn't in a family system that allowed him to be supported true to his nature. There was a lot of structure, a lot of controlling, a lot of stuff going on that actually set him up to fail. So how are you setting up her to fail? So now she has to lie so she doesn't get in trouble. And so in this case, that being forced and overwhelmed with structure, he had a tendency not to turn in his schoolwork. And then he would say he did and that he'd tell stories they were not accurate, they weren't the actual event, because he was afraid of getting into trouble. And he was trying to avoid getting into trouble and upsetting the people. You know, they don't want you to get mad. I don't want my mom or dad to get mad, so I'm going to lie about this to prevent them getting upset at me. And I think it's even more about putting you first, themselves second, meaning they don't want to upset you. They're lying because they don't want to an upset response. So look at that. What, you know, so what are you doing that's setting them up to lie? And how can you approach it differently so lying isn't necessary for your child? It's a protection device and it's an effort to try and keep things happy. Then at age four, at age four, that's what's going on. It can develop, that's the root of it for any type one that has a pattern of lying further into their life. It's it's to prevent something. So my last question. Hello, Carol. I have a question about my type 3 two-year-old daughter. She moves a lot and sometimes will climb around when, she, when we are at restaurants and stores or stand in the booth or cart so she can look around. She doesn't cause any harm and I make sure she is safe and she is always with a family member. I'm a type 2 mom and my type 4 mom always taught me not to run around in restaurants and to sit the right way on the chair. Is it okay that I let my daughter do this? I guess I'm just looking for reassurance. I would not take a type 3 two-year-old to a sit-down restaurant. Uh, and there, No, that's unreasonable to think there's a right way to sit in your chair. That's a type 4 parent uh, methodology. That's their belief that there's a right way to sit in a chair. You're type 2, you have a lower energy, you could sit, you could accommodate your mom, you didn't want to upset your mom, your type 2 nature says, well, I don't want to upset my mom, so I better sit the way my mom's telling me because she told me there's a right way. I would not take a type 3 two-year-old to a sit-down restaurant. 
It's uh, not okay. She'll get judged by other people. That's shameful to her. That energy doesn't need to be brought to her life. And then at three years old, yeah, she's a little bit, but she's four and five. Let her push the kitty cart, <laughs> you know, or get, I don't know where you're shopping, but a lot, you know, they've created these different carts that have, uh, that are much more accommodating to children. And I wouldn't expect her to sit in a cart more, I wouldn't do more than 20 minutes. It's not, it's not fair to her. This is what I'm saying, you know, you're setting up a child to fail because you're expecting them to behave in a manner in an environment that's not true to their nature, age-appropriate. Can you expect a type 3, 6-year-old child to sit at a restaurant? Yeah, I think they can grow into that. I think that's potentially, um, depends if they're rested. If they're not rested, they're going to be irritable. See, there's variables that play into that. Hey, I have a hard time sitting <laughs> for a certain amount of time, you know? I'm like... This doesn't go away when you're an adult. You just find ways to work with it. So, yeah, I acquire, I've acquired the ability to sit for longer timelines. Uh, but when I see a type 3 child coming on an airplane that's 5 and under, I'm like, okay. <laughs> uh, we'll see how that goes because you've got to find things that engage them. They need to be engaged. You're in a store in a restaurant, that's a new environment. They want to get their hands on it. They want to see it. They want to explore it. They want to experience it. Yeah, that's how I feel about this planet. I want to experience this space I, I dwell in. So thanks for your questions. Great questions. Uh, I appreciate all that you do in your world as a parent. I hope you caught last week's blog post on the Child Whisper blog. Go to thechildwhisper.com. Uh, it's a great post. It will support you in your parenting experience. There's a lot of fabulous blog posts on the Child Whisper podcast. You can sign up for the weekly email that you can stay connected to the blog, what's going on with the blog. There's a wonderful set of videos book resources, make sure you purchase the book, The Child Whisper, at thechildwhisper.com, and look for book resources. I have multiple resources there to help you in profiling your children, to help you continue to raise happy, successful, cooperative, and I'm going to throw in confident today, children. I look forward to taking your live calls again next week. Have a fabulous week with your family. Remember, you are a creator. Create a wonderful week with your amazing family. For more information on Carol's revolutionary Child Whisperer Parenting System, go to www.thechildwhisperer.com where you can learn more about purchasing her groundbreaking parenting book, The Child Whisperer. That's www.thechildwhisperer.com. To submit questions to Carol Tuttle's Child Whisperer show, email your questions to parenting at liveyourtruth.com. That's parenting at liveyourtruth.com. Thank you for being a part of today's show. 